Hello, everybody. Welcome to ClapperCast, episode 111, I think. I'm your host, Carson Tamar, joined by Alina Fall, Paul Price. How's everyone doing today? It's a, I know it's a pleasure for me to be here with both of you today. I'm tired, man. I've had a long week. I ha- Go ahead. I was just going to say, working two jobs is exhausting. So, hey, if anyone wants to pay off my student loan so I can quit my other job, I'd appreciate it. Alina, it's Pride Month. You can't complain this month. Okay, yeah, shut start. up. Okay. Start what if I come out on the podcast? That's just kidding. <laughs> just That'd, be That'd, be <laughs> That'd be a lie. That'd be a lie for and likes. <laughs> um, I, I think I had talked about my dog having um like an issue last podcast. A flesh wound? Uh, yes, which is you now. Oh, yeah, and then... He had to get like surgery and he got like the biggest uh, like literally it goes around his entire neck. Um, It's it's a wild thing oh. and it's all for an ingrown hair. It's an ingrown hair that became a cyst. I didn't know dogs could get ingrown hairs. Yeah. Well, OK, so Schnauzer specifically um, can get them because they're ha- uh, they have hair, not fur. Uh, some oh. dogs have fur. Some dogs have hair. That's why like some dogs need to be groomed and some dogs shed. So that's the. Fun fact for today. Um, so anyway, yeah, he got an anger in hair. And um, I have pet insurance. My recommendation for the week is to get pet insurance. Uh, <laughs> because I was like, oh, I don't know if I should be paying $50 a month for this. Um, in total, because of this uh, silly dog, I have paid $2,000 in hospital bills. And 80% of it's getting paid back with um, the um, pet insurance. So like, get pet insurance. If you get a pet, get one. It's so hey. dumb not to, especially if you're like one of those people who wants your pets to like live for a long time. No, because there's like <laughs> some people who are like, oh, when they hit like 12 and they like start falling apart a little bit, you just euthanize them. Those people are shitty. But those are if, shitty people. If you're one of the people who are like, I want them to have like a long and healthy life, then like, you know, fucking do it. Um, yeah, I really need to do that for Doug soon, especially since he has that busted tooth now. Yeah. Um, which I think will still be covered. I don't know. You'll have to find out about that. That's why I always get it when they're puppies. So they have no issues. The other thing with Doug, though, is my vet is friends with my dad. So that's cute. Everything is significantly less expensive anyway. Oh, yeah. Well, eventually that man will die. Uh, Not for a while. Not until Doug dies, I think. (laughs) Jeff is still in his prime. Doug's like three. (laughs) Aw, Jeff and Bruce. Yeah, we've got like 15 years out of Jeff, I think, still. It'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My other update of the week is I started putting the TV on for Doug when I'm out, like my cat, obviously, when I'm out, when I'm out in a boat, out in a boat, (laughs) at the office or the restaurant. And now, here, I'll... This is going to translate so well to the audio podcast. (laughs) He, I so I put on like eight hours of squirrels or eight hours of mice or eight hours of birds, and he's so entertained, and he's so much less annoying at night because usually he'll keep me up by like meowing like a fucking little jackass, but now he's like stimulated all day and he sleeps at night. It's magical stuff. Um, I so, should try that. Cat TV. I should try that <laughs> if they have dog TV. 
They um, do. They do. Because I saw a bunch when I was looking for cat stuff. Oh, nice. Because I don't want to play like the same thing, right? I want to oh, give yeah. him different programs. True. He'll because he'd, he'd notice. Bored, he'd get bored of the mice. I think. Um, I I I do um a lot of '90s soft rock. Um, is what I'm like. Mm-hmm. Apparently, you're supposed to play soft rock for a dog. So I've been playing the '90 one. Um, but my Echo will only play the same songs in the same order. So like I'm annoyed when I'm like <laughs> about to leave and I'm like, hey, play 90 soft rock. And then all of a sudden it's like playing like the same three Kenny Loggins songs. I'm like, okay, no. <laughs> and then like, um, what is it? Like Runaway Train. It's like all these songs that you're like, okay, these are very depressing for my dogs just be sitting alone in. I still um, think you should play them the podcast. I have, yeah. but the problem is it's really hard to um it won't it'll stop after one episode oh yeah i that can't makes figure sense. out how to like because like Keep who actually is listening to like 20 podcasts um and that's how we inflate our numbers we play them for our pets <laughs> <laughs> carson's like playing it for his snake that can't hear <laughs> yeah I do. snakes can't hear no they don't have ears wait no that's that. not true no, they can't. What do you mean? It's not. True? It's a fact. They definitely can hear. Really? No, they can sense the vibrations, but not. Um, okay, so they can sense they the vibrations. That's so sad. I know snakes are never going to hear Kenny Loggins. Well, luckily we have some films that we're going to talk about. We have Fire Island, and let's kick things off with a little bit of talk about David Cronenberg. He has his first feature after like a decade, but we're going to push that a little bit to the back. And let's just first talk about some of his other films, not necessarily in full review form, but me and Alina, we both watched multiple of his features the past few weeks leading up to Crimes of the Future. Um, And I guess we can give our little thoughts on them. Alina, do you want to maybe pick one you saw and then we can get into it? Sure. Um, first, though, had you seen like any David Cronenberg films before no, this? No, none. Little adventure? Me neither. Hence why we decided to do this little watch project. Um, I ended up watching like four or five over the last two days. Um, I thought that they were going to be a lot like scarier than they were, but they're like, like I guess technically they some of them are horror movies, but I feel like it he's like less about the horror and more about like the themes in his works because it was really interesting from like the four or five that I watched that they have like the same consistent themes of like um the future and art and technology and I was like huh I think it's cool when a director like sticks to something like that but yeah I'm a bad Canadian. I hadn't seen any Cronenberg things prior. I'd seen, I saw Possessor last year, but I hadn't seen any of like daddy Cronenberg films. So this is a fun little fiasco. I started with The Fly. Yes. Uh, I watched that one yesterday. I think The Fly was my favorite. I started with that one because Jeff Goldblum's in it and like I love him. Um, I also think The Fly was like the grossest out of the ones I saw. Um, if you don't know, if you're like one of the idiots like us who hadn't seen a Cronenberg film yet, The Fly is about Jeff Goldblum being a scientist and he has a teleportation machine thingy he invents. And then he tries to teleport himself in his little teleportation pods. But then there's a, a like a house fly accidentally gets into it when he's doing his little science experiments. And then somehow, I don't know how, uh, 
the like fly gets fused with his like human DNA and he becomes like half man, half fly, and it's fucking disgusting. But it was sick. What do you think of the fly? Yeah, I love this. I recommended it a couple weeks ago on the podcast. But, like, it is because I saw it for the first time then. And it's, like, really, really good. Like, just first, obviously, I think visual, the effects are great. That's one thing about Cronenberg. And I feel like, sadly, Paul's not here for the segment. He is very quick to call Cronenberg a hack. And I don't get that. I feel like his argument is probably that people really like the makeup and stuff. And that's why people like his work. But I disagree with that, especially with The Fly. Yes, the makeup Mm -hmm. work is, like shockingly incredible like even to this day it is wild what they're able to pull off um but like every ounce of this movie is like this weirdly sexy almost in a sense like almost disturbing sexual look at like just human evolution and like it's just it's really good it's really thoughtful i think in the middle it's a little bit boring with some of the romance but like I really liked it. And the ending is great. I mean, the entire like third act, once you get to that final kind of climax is really wonderful. Um, but no, I really loved it. It's my favorite one I watched also. I think this is probably mm-hmm. bad to say like Cronenberg had a masterpiece. From what I've seen, I would name that to be The Fly because I think this is amazing. I feel like a lot of people would agree with you on that because I think it's like his highest rated film also. Um, the guy in the film who is not Jeff Goldblum is such a fucking simp. I felt bad for him. I was like, my guy, you're like hung up on this girl and she does not want you. She just wants Jeff Goldblum. And like that man goes through some shit for that girl when he's trying to fight Jeff Goldblum fly. <laughs> there are quite a few simps throughout his filmography. Definitely mm-hmm. something that you notice. You're also right about them being, like, disturbingly sexy. Like, it's gross, but then, like, there's something, like, weirdly horny about it. And you're like, this is, like, some weird kinks, man, that you should, like, really get yourself checked out for, probably. Well, yeah, another thing (laughs) that you find in, like, all of his films, not, like, I guess we can jump around freely, why not? Like, Crash Mm -hmm. is about these victims who get into this car accident, and then they have this weird sexual affinity for, like, getting in accidents and car crash, um, you know, car crashes. And like in that scene or in that movie, there's so much like sex that's kind of off putting in a sense. And there's a lot of like sexual shots of cars and stuff, but it all works really well. I mean, if there's one thing I think Cronenberg does particularly well, it's to create like a sensuality and a sexuality to things that are disturbing. And then you get that juxtaposition which I think is what creates his films to be so evocative. I think that's probably mm-hmm. why so many people like care and are disturbed is just because like it is disturbing how like kind of hot some of his films are. Mm-hmm. I Cr- Crash was the second one I watched and I feel like it's the one that isn't like considered a horror, but it still like has all of the same like disturbing elements. So I don't like really get how like letterboxd at least like differentiates like what is horror for david cronenberg because did you watch did you watch dead ringers that's the one i did not get to sadly that one wasn't scary at all but we'll talk i'll talk about it in a bit but like crash it's like fucking disturbing that these people are getting off on like car collisions to the point where they're like even creating them i guess and like there's a scene in there with, like, the, not, like, the main character, but, like, the main dude who is, like, gets off on, like, car crashes. They, like, recreate, like, 
the James Dean car crash with like stunt drivers and everything. And they have like people like watching it and like, and then they go and fuck each other afterwards or like they fuck each other in the cars and they're like passing around each other's partners. And like, there's even some gay shit in there. And I was like, this is like crazy. But like, I also feel like by at like by 2022, it's like not as crazy because I was sitting there watching all of these movies and I was like, like on the Wikipedia pages, it's like, oh my God, so and so many people walked out of this movie at Cannes. And I was like, why? Like, they're really not as bad as people have like made them out to be. Like, because Carson and I are huge pussies, as we have noticed on this podcast. And like, I was fine with like every single one of these movies that I watched. They're I really, wouldn't like, say any are scary. Like I, I wouldn't no. even like. I, I question not even like why I didn't include ha- Crash on the horror list. I question why you include like Videodrome on that list. I think like none of them are really like horror scary in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also like I kind of get, get like the fly because he kind of turns yeah. into like a monster. But like I don't, I don't get Videodrome, and I really don't get Dead Ringers. I will say, though, like, I do understand that we're coming from a time where, like, we just saw Teton. We just... Yeah. I don't know if you saw the film Jumbo, but I think it was called that when she has sex with the amusement park ride and it comes I on did her watch with oil. the amusement park ride, yeah. Like, yeah. I get that we're in a time of cinema where, like, <laughs> we've been exposed to so much that maybe Crash doesn't seem that crazy when maybe it was back in the day. I was bored mm-hmm. by Crash, like, hot take, hottest take maybe of the episode, I did not hmm. like Crash, um, but I but I just think that's also an issue. Like Videodrome, for example, so much of that relies even on just the culture of back then. When like mm-hmm. you look at the modern internet culture and stuff, and so much of Videodrome kind of goes out the way, which is about this guy who runs this um, cable station. They intercept this broadcast of people getting tortured and killed, and he tries to figure out what's going on with it. He meets a woman who wants to be on the show. They figure out it's real, blah, 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 blah. Um like so much of that is dated in a sense that it, I think it's really hard to be introduced to some of these films now and have the same. That's impression. valid. Cause like I just finished watching Videodrome and I was really feeling that too. Like that was the one, like it was still good, but it was the one that I connected with the least. Um, probably cause I watched it like after getting back from Crimes of the Future and I was really tired and I paused it and I had a nap in the middle of it. And I was like, okay, I cannot stay awake right now. But like, it's just like you're just sitting there and watching this and you're like, this is not like relevant stuff anymore. But it is really cool how he it's like Cronenberg. It's like another film that is ex- exploring like technology and the future and, and things like that, just like Crimes of the Future is. Um, but yeah, Dead Ringers, it's like has Jeremy Irons in it and there he plays like a set of identical twins and so one is, like, more, like, confident, and he gets all the ladies, and he, like, seduces women at their, like, gynecologist clinic. Um, and so when, like, the charismatic twin is, like, bored of the women, he'll pass them on to his, like, little, like, passive, quiet brother who, like, would probably be a virgin if, like, the older brother didn't pass women on to him. And, like, the women obviously don't know because, like, they're identical twins and, like, they've like have this like ruse so like they know how to act like each other and like um the the more passive twin ends up falling in love with this like actress and the older brother doesn't like that the younger one starts doing drugs and like 
their whole like twin bond kind of like spirals. So it was like, I feel like the most different thematically, but it still had the like disturbing horniness and like things like that. So I really, I think Dead Ringers is probably my second favorite. I, I would do The Fly, Dead Ringers, Crash, Crimes of the Future, Videodrome out of the ones I saw. Interesting. I think I would go out of the ones we both saw. I would go Fly, Videodrome, uh, and then is it or Crash, and then Crimes of the Future. Didn't you watch a couple other? Yeah, ones, the though? ones I watched that you didn't see. I saw Scanners, which I kind of want to watch again eventually. It's about this world where like uh, telekinesis is really powerful in some individuals, but it's like very convoluted and there's a lot of moving pieces there's like people trying to hunt the people who have telekinesis but there's a people like trying to hide them and blah 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 it's like it's very complex to the point where i was like i'm bored because i don't know what's happening though the effects are great once again the effects in all these are great um Mm. the brood was really fun it's about this uh father whose daughter starts getting these wounds on her and he thinks that his mentally disturbed wife who's in this like hospital is abusing her Um, And it turns out that she's creating like these evil children who come and kill people, but she doesn't know about them. It's really great. The climax is like incredible in that. Um, And then the other one I watched, I forgot the title. What is it called? It's uh, Cosmopolis, whatever that is. Robert Pattinson sits in a really, really poorly visually designed limo and just like has sex with women. And it's really bad. Uh, That's his latest one, I believe. I think it's from like 2012. And I mean, it is, it is not good. Everyone says it's bad and it really is. Um, unless you want to just see Robert Pattinson like fucking women. And then I guess it's good in that sense, but it's not particularly hot. So a little disappointing. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. I was looking at his filmography because like I watched the ones that I watched because they were on like the top 250 horror and everyone says like that crash is like the better crash compared to the one that won the Academy Award, which David Cronenberg's crash is in fact the better crash. People were not lying about that, even though Brendan Fraser is in the worst crash sad sad i haven't seen that other crash so i can't give opinions but like brutal i feel like there is a world where i would say the worst one is the better one we'd have to see (laughs) yeah but i was looking and i really want to watch um a history of violence because it also has vigo mortensen in it um because i and i also want to watch eastern promises because vigo mortensen's also in that because all the other ones i watched didn't have vigo um, but you know what did have Vigo? Crimes of the Future. Yes, Good it transition. did. Good transition. <laughs> Coming out of Can, kind of funny that like one of the largest Can debuts is like just releasing a couple weeks casually in theaters. Um, mm-hmm. It is a futuristic. Well, I'm gonna do my best to explain what it is. It's a futuristic world where pain has gone away for some people. Some people don't have pain, and there's this performance artist who does surgeries where he grows new. Uh, what organs and he like uh, as a performance art thing and his like he gets them removed surgically in front of people and people find it entertaining Um, and some people are like looking into how he does this and at the same time some people are starting to eat plastic that's the film right like I'm not missing anything major yeah (laughs) um the thing about like the people eating plastic though is those people believe that like 
like so like the human race is evolving yes. and that's why they're developing these new organs but like Vigo's character is like removing them because he thinks it's killing them but then the people who are eating plastic are people that think the evolution is like a good thing and it's like humans adapting to the like disgusting littered polluted whatever world that we've created yeah. um i watched this one earlier today we both so i woke up at, yeah i woke up at, okay so yesterday i watched the fly and then i went to work and when i got home i was way too tired to watch anything else so i like worked out and went to sleep and i watched a couple episodes of avid elementary but then i woke up at 7 a.m this morning and i watched i watched crash and i watched dead ringers i watched an episode of avid elementary i went to see crimes of the future and then i walked back home or i went grocery shopping walked back home Watch video drill, and now we're recording. So I'm fucking tired. So like, I was like, I was really liking Crimes of the Future, but I was also like half asleep. Like my, I could feel my eyelids were like heavy, and like, I was struggling. But like from what I could like grasp of the plot in my like forsaken state of mind, I really thought it was interesting. Once again, how David Cronenberg touches on the future and technology and human evolution and like the new flesh and blah, blah, blah. Um, There are parts of it that are quite slow paced, but I really liked um, Bio Mortensen and uh, Leah, Leah Sidhu together. Um, It was also fun seeing Kristen Stewart in there. I thought she was good in this Um, way better than she was in Spencer. Just saying, got to throw some shade there. I don't remember who it was because I don't follow them, but I saw someone on Twitter say that Kristen Stewart played her character like a horny little mouse. And, like, she's very twitchy. And yeah. I was like, that is a very good description of it. And she's very horny for Viggo Mortensen's character. Viggo Mortensen's character, when he's, like, not getting surgery performed on him by Leah Sadu or, like, in these, like, weird fucking organ chairs that I don't – did not understand at all, um, he's, like, running around and, like, an evil Kermit the Frog cape, and I don't understand why that was happening either. Um, I, being an idiot, was quite confused by Crimes of the Future, but I enjoyed it at the same time. I feel like if I rewatch it with, like, some extra caffeine, I'd, like, grasp the concepts a bit better, but I liked it for what it was. Also, I forgot to mention this. The scores throughout David Cronenberg movies are fantastic, and I think most of them are done by Howard Shore, so that makes sense. Um, but like, I was really, I just really dug the aesthetics of Crimes of the Future, but also it's like very dark, like literally, like I was like, turn the brightness up, my guy. I had like, or can we turn the light on in the movie theater? Like it felt like I was watching like a YouTube video on my phone at like the lowest brightness setting. I was like, come on, man. Yeah. Why is it so dark? Was that just my theater? No, it was the was same for me. Dark? I was happy when I read that you said that. Cause I was like, oh, I had the same experience. Yeah. Um, I did not like Crimes of the Future really at all. Um, I don't hate it. I like the ideas of it. I think the execution is just like really boring and strange. And I don't mean that in the best of ways. The cloak, first off, that Viggo Mortensen runs around in, laughably bad. Like that's the only part where I was like, (laughs) what the fuck are we doing? This is camp. Like there's no way you put him in this giant oversized cloak and you have him like sitting in the corner of like a rock thing. And it's like, yeah, that's funny. Uh, the story itself, like, I like the idea of the convergence of human evolution with, like, climate change, with pollution. The idea that we're evolving to eat plastic is a fine idea. But when, like, the big emotional moments of your film 
is just someone like eating plastic. It's a really boring actually to watch. Um, there was no like horror. I, I feel like those scenes were supposed to be like, whoa, like they're eating plastic. How could they? Oh my God. And I was like, I don't know. It's just looks like a candy bar. Like it just looks dumb. Yeah. Okay. Mild spoilers, but this happens in like the first five minutes of the movie. But you see like a little child eating a plastic wastebasket and then his mom like kills him, <laughs> suffocates him with a pillow after she sees him eating like the plastic wastebasket and she calls him like creature and that his like dad created him all these things and i was like what the fuck <laughs> i don't feel like it's that crazy like no i people, don't either people have, have you did you they... ever watch that show my strange addiction yes. no exactly what i was gonna exactly. say that's exactly what i was thinking this. <laughs> like i was like this is not as weird as you think it is daddy cronenberg <laughs> Real, I mean, it does feel like a little bit like a boomer being like, only freaks would do this. But no, people are out there in they're valid eating plastic waste buckets. I hope if you are, you get the proper help because I don't think it's healthy for you. But it's definitely do not. It. Pl- plastic does not meet your nutritional requirements. Unless Maybe you have these organs. organs yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I like the idea. It was just like, ugh. and then it just goes so long. And I feel like it just doesn't like pass the con. Maybe it's just because I'm really stupid. But, like, past the concept of, like, how crazy we're evolving to eat plastic. It felt like this movie had just, like, nothing to say. It felt kind of like Tenet in that sense. Or, like, even The French Dispatch, weirdly, where it's, like, I think David Cronenberg is a good director. I get what he's trying to do. But it feels just so simple. And it feels so reductive to everything else. It's, like, uh, is it good? No. For me, on top of, like, the evolution stuff and, like... There was also something, like, a commentary on, like, artists and their role in society. And I didn't fully, like, grasp it, again, because I'm an idiot. But, like, there's something there. Because, like, they're doing these surgeries as, like, performance art. And there's also, like, the disturbing horniness. Because, like, there's a part where Kristen Stewart's character is, like, surgery is the new sex. And she, like, gets off on watching, like, Vigo undergo surgery. And I was like... Yeah, I kind of I kind of get that horniness. I think I only get it because it's Viggo Mortensen, though. But, like, there, there's definitely something there about, like, the artist's role in society. But I'm too dumb to explain those thoughts. Yeah, but even then, it's just, like, I don't know. Just, like, I feel like David Cronenberg at this point in his career to be, like, the art. Like, art is disturbing, and that's that. Or, like, the artists are just, like, I don't know. It's just, like, I, I expect think more. Like, for art is disturbing. I think it's, like... I think it's purely just, like, what is an artist's, like, role and influence on society? Because, like, yeah. we don't see the organ evolution outside of, like, Vigo and Leah Sadu's characters, right? Other than, like, briefly, Kristen Stewart and the other doctor talk about it, but we don't, like, really, really see it. It's always yeah. just through performance art. Even, like that like fucked up dude with all the like ears all over him with his eyes and like mouth sewn shut why didn't they sew his nose shut yeah i thought it was funny how they used that guy like so much in marketing materials and then when he pops up in the screen they were like yeah that's shitty art i was like that's hilarious (laughs) that's great (laughs) um but like yeah you only see all of the stuff like mostly through artists so yeah, I'm willing know. to accept that it's just because I'm stupid. Like, I'm fully yeah. ready to say that. But I also just if feel like... If you got I a different more. interpretation, uh, 
let us know because we're dumb. We have an email. <laughs> Hypercast at gmail.com. We would love to hear your thoughts on crime of the future. Mm-hmm. Share it. <laughs> yeah. I've seen so many people like really loving this, giving it like five stars. For me, in my delirious days to lack of sleep state, it's like three and a half, four for me. It's love like, that for you. I did really like it even though I didn't get it. You know what I mean? Valid. Completely valid. Yeah. I gave it the old tenant too. And I'm gonna Valid. never forget. I'm gonna and the I also gave Teton too. I think I gave it the mm-hmm. old T two, and I'm gonna forget about it. And never I will talk say about it I liked. Again. I really liked. Uh, I really liked Teton, but I feel like I don't like it as much as I do now. But I feel like I like Crash better than Teton because they have Ooh. similar things. I did like Vigo. Like I think it was Vigo who like shit on Teton in the promotion. For yeah, Crystal. comparing it to Crash. I was like, I good on you, funny. Vigo. <laughs> I did not look into what he said because I didn't want to, like, spoil Crash or whatever for myself because I had no idea what Crash is about before I, like, watched it, honestly, because I I don't – I do a really good job of avoiding spoilers for movies that have been out for, like, centuries. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, yeah, he was shitting on Crash because he, he said, like, that Teton or however the fuck you say it had, like, nothing to say. And, like, I don't necessarily believe that because I did enjoy the film. I don't know if I'd enjoy it like on a rewatch, but I will not rewatch it. Okay, and now let's move on. Happy Pride Month. We have, Paul, I know you're very excited for this one. Fire Island. Yes, Slay, Charlie XCX. Um, it's about this group of gay Basically guys. Basically the movie. That is the movie. The gay <laughs> there you guys. Oh, you, you've, uh, you've seen the movie. <laughs> <laughs> go to Fire And it, let me tell you, that for two hours is even better. Um, a group of gay guys go to Fire Island. They have drama as they're trying to get laid. It's very, on paper, sounds very uh, predictable. Maybe is predictable. But I will say, speaking for me, I love this. Um, I think, weirdly enough, this director I liked from Driveways, which was his last one that no one saw. Um, But I thought this was such a fun, charming, and sweet film um, about friendship, about the gay experience. I don't think anything it's saying is super worthwhile. This is clearly meant for like a very certain branch of the gay experience and gay audience. And for them, they know everything this movie is going to say, but it is so charming and wholesome. It's like, you know, who cares? Like I would gladly watch this again. I relate this to this is my Barbin star. I love this. Paul, I know you loved this also, right? I didn't hate this. Okay. So like, here's the thing. As a like rom-com, it's cute. It's fine. Um, I just find like it a little too long and like some truly atrocious acting. Um, Like one of the things that I really can't stand with an acting thing is when you know that someone's like read their lines a bunch of times and when they read it, they're just like saying it and they can't get off the page. Um, it never, it doesn't feel natural. And I noticed that with like three of these characters, like every word they said, you were like, oh, they have like said this into the mirror and they've like, you know, figured out how it doesn't feel like the character saying it. It feels like all of a sudden the actor's like, and here's the next line I have to say, especially during, um, some of the like comedy bits, um, where they're like supposed to be like snarky back and forth. Um, I just like really noticed bad acting and which is weird. Because I'm also, like, one who tries not to notice acting because sometimes, like, you know, you just pulled the wrong take or whatever. It's, like, it shouldn't matter. But this one was just glaring, especially, um, I think the guy's name is Will in the movie, um, who plays, like, the love interest. 
terrible actor. He was a terrible actor in um, How to Get Away with Murder, too. Every time he'd show up, I was like, oh, God, this guy again. He's bad on this. He's a bad actor. Stop casting him. Um, <laughs> happy Pride. <laughs> happy Pride, right? I don't know. Like, the, who cares? Who cares? Like, it's like when I, I watch Mamma Mia. I don't care if, like, Fernando or whoever's a bad actor. I don't care. Like, well, see, but I feel like though. this is trying to be like it's not trying to just be fun. It really is trying to be like, like and it works to a point to be more capital I I important, um, especially towards the ending. I get that. I mean, there's yeah, some, but there's some moments where like I don't know. I thought it was touching. It's it's like cute enough. I just I I don't think there's a single like quotable line. Okay, so part of what I think is the problem with this movie, um is that they're using so many things that are like very normal phrases for like queer communities. And those become the catchphrases. So they're not catchphrases. They're just quotes from other things. Like I can't think of a line in this. I'm like, oh, that was really clever. Like even when you look at, um, you know, the marketing for this movie, they're using like, what is gay liberation if we won't feel liberated? And I'm like, that's not like, that's, not a great line and that's the that's the line you're using is like you're let's convince people to watch this movie it's like guys i i I didn't i expected to hate this and like i just kind of i I was fine with it like i will never watch it again i totally believe i will forget this movie exists but like i know a lot of people are like you go look on the letterbox and either people are like this is the worst movie i've ever seen or they're like you know, this movie was made for me. And I'm like, good for those people. Good for the Carsons of the world. But like, I don't know. I wanted, I, I did wish like after the opening, which I think is real bad. Once they get onto the Island, I was like into it for a little while. And then it just gets a little too almost sitcom-y as well. Um, there's a, especially this character, I think his name's Dex. And there's a whole plot line that you're just like, what is going on? It feels exactly like a TV show. Which leads to my next point. This was originally a Quibi show. And the way you can feel it was originally a Quibi show in that, like, how they split apart each of the days and, um, like, the plots, like, little short stories each time and then kind of lead up to a longer thing. Um, I think it needed a pretty strong rewrite between Quibi and being released by uh, Searchlight. Um, but you can still feel the quibbiness to it, which is also my favorite joke in the movie because they reference the fact that um, Margaret Cho put all her money into Quibi. It's very good. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, like, it's fine. What did you think, Carson? A little bit more like. Uh, a little bit more what? Just go. I was just, like, I, I don't know. I, I mean, as I mentioned, this for a very specific type of gay, and I am very clearly that gay. I mean, from literally the opening, which is a Wendy Williams ringtone, like, I was here for it. Um, oh, is that what that is? Yes, it was a Wendy Williams. So that, it's okay. <laughs> I, that's like, a, I wish you were a little bit more gay, Paul. No offense. But like, if that, if you were just, like 10% more, it would have been, it would be great. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I really just feel like it's like 75% more. Oh, yeah, well, I'm trying to be nice. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I thought it was cute. Like, I, there's not it, much more I'll say. Like, it is, yes, it's true. Like I said, I just, I think it's for the gays, and I don't think the gays are going to find anything new here. But, like, what you're going to find is something enjoyable. 
I like when they're playing the heads up game. Like I like like those moments are not necessarily breakthrough or oh. like groundbreaking, but they're fun. Like what else Wait. Vegas do you want from the film? So I like paused the movie mid uh, scene to go look up gays in space. And there's two gays in space, but there's one that's the clip he's talking about, which is like very clearly gays in space. There's another one that's the one that comes up on YouTube, which is like Louis C.K. Um, <laughs> and it's that's like he's got like naked pictures of guys behind him. And they're like, wait, what were those? And it's so long and so bad. And I was literally like watching it like, this is what he like <laughs> was telling everyone to go watch. And basically the movie told you to go watch. I was like, this is the worst SNL skit I've seen in a while. It wasn't even that skit, but it was very funny that like I paused the movie and I was like, I'm going to go watch this because I feel like it might come up again. And I should probably just know it. Maybe it's like exactly what you said, like the Wendy Wil Williams thing. I was like, maybe something that I need to know. I think I really like this if it was a Quibi show. I mean, I like it when it's like as a movie, but I do think there are some moments where like, yeah, maybe it's a little bit slow. Maybe it's a little melodramatic. I think the whole point of like, this is our last summer. I don't really know why that's there. Like you definitely don't need that for much of the film. I think if it was just like a simpler Quibi show. I might even enjoy it more if this was like a yearly thing, but I don't know. As a movie, I loved it. So I'm going to watch this again. It. It's great. You know what's actually funny is saying what you just did, Carson. The other thing I kept thinking about, so like the whole crux of this movie is like a bunch of rich guys dating these poor guys. Um, and I kept thinking like as soon as they get off this fucking island, they're all breaking up. Like there is no way these relationships last because like every single one of the main characters, except for uh, Bowen Yang's character, like have no life plan. And they're like... <laughs> what in their late 20s 30s i was like guys you're still like you can't afford like a hotel to go to this thing once a year <laughs> it's just like there's so many things in this movie that i was like the logic here is so weird um there's also a whole your point about you know it being like the last year i'm like you're dating a bunch of rich guys you're gonna be fine you're gonna be able to come back and stay in the massive house that they were staying in um uh, yeah, no, it's it's fine. Um, I think uh, it's fine. It's very wholesome, I guess. Like, you know what? Out. I could definitely see if I could see this getting a spinoff TV show, like what we did in the Shadows. Do on Hulu. I was a hundred percent gonna say that I assume that there was a conversation that they're pissed. That there's a movie already called Palm Springs because that's what you would do is just for the next one. And then just keep naming it different places that you can go that are like, you know, famous queer kind of like areas and just have those characters go there. Come kind of like a girl's trip kind of thing or um, mm. like grown ups. Book club. Um, Book club is doing they're going to Europe. next. Oh, yeah. See that. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, we will be covering if there's any more. So <sighs> I know you're Fine. looking forward to that. Um, well, Alina's going to have to watch it. Also, we are going to have to, as a side note, Alina's going to have to watch this movie at some point because yes. we're going to definitely compare and contrast to um, Bros when it comes out. Yes. Um, which I think I'm going to like. I think I'm going to like Bros less. And now let's end the episode with our recommendations for the week. I'm going to start first because I have not one but two recommendations. And one of them is not a movie. Julia on HBO Max, the series, is so fun. I finished it today. I've been doing half an episode with my breakfast, and it has been an absolute blast. It is 
senile at moments. I did not expect to see Julia Child singing with a drag queen when she's homophobic, but it's in the show. So I would highly recommend it. It is sweet if you are the white gay who likes that kind of stuff. If you love Julie and Julia, this is very you. Mother One is going to be called The Miseducation of Bindu. I saw this a couple years ago at a film festival. And I was like, whatever happened to that? And it's out. It's on Amazon Prime. And it's fantastic. David Arquette is in it, number one, as a supporting actor, which, like, shocking. Oh, I can't watch it then. Oh, he'll push me into double digits. No, for you most got it. Actor of the year. Um, it's about this young Indian girl who's going to high school and she's trying to raise like $53 and I think 75 cents or whatever before a certain period. So she can take a test. Hopefully then she can graduate high school early, I think. Um, and then she can convince her parents to move back to India because she hates America. Um, but it's super, super sweet. It's definitely like more of a teen comedy in a sense. Um, but it's good. And David Arquette gives like a genuinely amazing performance here. I really think it's like a sadly underrated gem that no one really talks about, but it's really good. So I would recommend that. Paul, what's your recommendation? So weirdly this week, I watched a bunch of movies and I have not done that in a while. Um, and I'm going to go with, uh, I really enjoyed this movie called 13 Ghosts. It's from 2001. Um, and I have always heard about this movie as like, oh, it's bad, but like fun. So I put it on with my friend and it is bad, but it is a lot of fun. It's one of the few movies that I was watching. And I was like, God, please do a remake someday. Um, it's basically about this uh, group of people who this family who move into their dead uncle's house. And he's trapped 12 ghosts in there. And um, they like get released and cause hijinks. Kind of. They kind of cause some hijinks. Um, but like what's fun is like, you know, it feels very similar to like Cabin in the Woods almost. Like I almost think that J.J. Abrams watched this movie and was like, I'm going to remake that slightly. Um, but it's the same kind of like, oh, look, it's a lot of quirky stuff and like kind of making fun of like the genre of, you know, horror, um, like ghost stories and all that stuff. But Matthew Lillard's in it, and he's really funny. Um, it's just like a, it's a good, like, dumb watch with friends time. Um, I was really surprised. Um, I may even put it on our Halloween if I do another uh, bad but fun list. Um, yeah, so that was it. I have two things also. So earlier this week, I went to the local indie cinema in Ottawa called the Bytown Cinema. Ran into a friend of the podcast, David Cuevas, there. We went to see South um from 1919 so i think officially now it's like the oldest documentary ever it recently just got like restored with like help from the bfi and it's about these british guys in like 1914 going on a little ship adventure to antarctica and they get like marooned there and it's really freaking cute so it's like a silent film but it's a documentary so like the intertitles their intertitles are hilarious. Like, it's there's some good comedy in this freaking documentary of these British dudes getting marooned in fucking Antarctica. And then at one point, it, like, morphs into, like, a nature documentary. They show, like, um, elephant seals, penguins, the dogs that they take. It's, like, literally the sweetest freaking thing ever. It was a really delightful time, and it was only, like, 85 minutes. And the music in our restoration was sick. Uh, so I really recommend it. Oldest documentary ever. And it was a great, grand, grand old time. Um, 
My other recommendation is the Letterkenny spinoff show, Shorzy. I've been meaning to recommend it for weeks, but I kept forgetting. But it's fantastic. It's only six episodes, very short episodes also. So you can probably watch the whole thing in like three hours. But it's like Shorzy, a hockey player, and they go to Sudbury. And they their hockey team is about to like fold because they're not making any money. And then they decide like, hey, we're just never going to lose a game ever again. And it's just really funny. It has, like, the same humor as Letterkenny does, um, even though, like, the characters are completely different. And, like, Shorzy and Letterkenny is, like, a very minor character, and he's mostly just, like, a one-off gag. So it's really nice how they were able to make him into, like, a fully developed and, like, well-fleshed-out character because he's really annoying in Letterkenny, but he's, like, phenomenal in this. He flirts with this, like, news reporter girl a lot, and those scenes specifically do things to me. So... It's a good show. It's very cute. I recommend. Letter Kenny's good too. Love that. Cool. So that's mm-hmm. going to be that's that cute. episode of Clappercast. Where can we find everyone on social media? Alina? I am at Alina Falds on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Paul? At Price Like Tag on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And you uh, can find me on Twitter at PP underscore movie reviews at Letterboxd Carson Tamar. Thank you so much for listening. We're on Letterboxd. You can email us. You can find us on Twitter. We're all those places. New episodes of the podcast every single Tuesday. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week to discuss all things cinema. Goodbye.